Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50% to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. The following podcast is a member of the Great Big Owl family. Smash Pop. So vast, it took two years to create, and two continents to contain it, at a cost of over ten million dollars. Shout at the devil. Filled with all the spectacle of King Solomon's mines. The passion, the snows of Kilimanjaro. The drama of the African Queen. Shout at the Devil. Starring Academy Award winner Lee Marvin as Flynn Patrick O'Flynn. I just need a helping hand. Roger Moore as Bassey. As Rosa. I'm going to have a baby. You rapist! Shout at the devil. Hello and welcome to Smash Pod, a podcast celebrating all the Bond films by those who enjoy, hate, or you know just aren't asked about them. Hosted by me, John Rain. It's side special time again, and this week we explore the sights and sounds of beautiful Zanzibar, while also drinking heavily and sending a bill to the German authorities. Yes, it's shout at the devil. Joining me to fight for my daughter's hand in marriage is senior associate editor of Mojo and freelance arts journalist Andrew Mail, who can be found on Twitter as, and let me get this right, at Andrew6WMail. That's really good, yeah, because I've never right? been able to find a way to correctly pronounce it myself, so that's is good. Is that right? Yeah, that's good. That's right, yeah. Good, well, you can find out. Yeah, well, you know, yeah. He's yeah. about. I am. I should say, before we begin, Andrew bought me a gift. I did. <laughs> Which is the Wilbur Smith copy of the book, Shout at the Devil. And I think anyone who ends up watching Shout, Shout at the Devil after this will realise how important it is. Because yeah. there, were, there were lots of points where I thought, what the hell is going on in this film? Mm. I got completely lost. So Wilbur was there on hand because it's pretty faithful 
to the to the book. I must say the book cover, which I'll have to take a picture of and post at some point. Yeah, has got the lead actors, but it looks like they've used that app. They've put smiles on them. <laughs> well, um, Lee Marvin's good. Lee Marvin's Lee Marvin frowning, great, and Lee yeah. Marvin looks fantastic. But mm-hmm. Roger Moore does not look like Roger Moore. No, because he looks really like smiling. someone who's disappointed with how Roger Moore looks and has tried like to make him more man. more American, more yeah. like uh, Richard Chamberlain or something. Yeah. And also the baddie German who we'll get to is also oh, smiling. I'm glad that he's small though, Fleischer. because because he is a. I think he was a subject of my nightmares as a child. I realise now. Man. He's a really horrible man. We'll get into that. Yeah, a very good horrible man, but revolting. But it says at the beginning we get we get an ominous. Well, we get two ominous opening things. We yeah. Get, Based on the tr- remarkable true in, uh, incident that took place in Africa in 1913, before the Great War, when the world was very different. Which, which seems to me like a bit of a get-out-jail-free card, doesn't yeah. it? Because what it's kind of saying is when the world was very racist. Yes. You know, and, and, and you know, sort of, well, well, of course, you see, the world was very different then. Mm-hmm. Which is what people tend to say when they're being racist, you know. So I think that's kind of it. It's like, what you have to understand about this is it was in the past. And it also then says... By the way, no animals were definitely harmed. Not a single animal. Which makes me think they definitely were. Oh, and they put that message at the end as well, which mm. makes yeah, which makes you think they definitely were. It's a bit unsettling. It's like saying the producers wish to assure you that not one person was murdered during the making of this film, and yeah. you think there's a murder took place on yeah. this film. Well, you know, oh, it's kind of oh, there's something kind of mafiosi about it. You know, Don Corleone wishes to assure you that he did not personally harm any of the animals himself. <laughs> <laughs> it's kind of you think. Something happened there, tripwires or something nasty. The lady doth protest too Exactly. Much. Two, two qualifying, um, you know, statements at the beginning and end of the film. But the first thing you see is a German boat. And one of them says there's no docking facilities where they are. But the way you said it in German sounds like there are no dogging facilities. <laughs> and I thought, good grief. They've gone there to go dogging. That's ridiculous. And the weird thing is that when the Germans begin talking, they're talking in German, and then just suddenly through the magic of cinema, they're talking in English. Yeah, and yeah. Um, it's like but also for October. Yeah. Yeah. And it kind of like there's a kind of a filter mm. sort of happens. But apparently they did originally all speak in German with subtitles and then they changed it for an American audience, I think, because oh. the Americans were not having any of that. Yeah, Because you I, come in to watch a movie yeah. and the first thing you see is, so oh, you're walking straight out again, aren't you? Yes. Yeah, not having that. You don't come there to read. No. It's not a book. It's not very... Uh, docking facilities in Zanzibar isn't the most exciting way to open a film not either. Really. No. But then we also get... Um, uh, the, the, they basically say the British are putting rules on us and then one yeah. of them says one day we will show them yeah I thought, yeah that's a good line. absolutely and it's got a crack I mean, it's got a cracking score the Maurice Shaw score yeah because it starts out it's, it's really discordant it's like mm. a noise album at the start and then it's kind of you get a bit of romance and mm. a bit of adventure which is kind of what the film is like it's, yeah. it's a lot you know quite a lot of romance mm-hmm. quite a lot of adventure yeah. and bits that are quite discordant so he's kind of he's pretty on the money there Maurice and it's also got Maurice Binder opening titles like a yeah what well, I didn't realise when I um, chose the movie I thought well I'll I'll choose it we'll be able to do it mm. um, I wanted to do it because um, as a kid I went to see it at the I think Liverpool Odeon mm. and uh, my brother tells me that when I came out I told him it was the best film I'd ever seen really yeah I mean we we can look deeper into the reasons for that later yeah. and also kind of actually I can probably tell you what I remembered from it yeah because like, I think there's there's not a lot that I do remember about it I realise I'm really interested to know that do you want to know that now or well, should I'd we get like into to know that? how you feel about that now um, I realised I probably 20, I, 27 I, I think I probably slept through a lot of it yeah. yeah I remember the start I remember Roger Moore 
shooting at the German um, frigate. Mm-hmm. And I remember the... the um, I remember Lee Marvin saying the title of the film. At the, yeah, well, yeah. we'll get to that later. Yeah. But yeah, so... And the other reason I remember it is when we were on... Uh, we were getting the train home and we were at Hamilton Square Station and we were in the lift and there was a big fight. There was really? a, Yeah, there was a big fight in the lift and I was trapped... We were trapped in the lift and there... Two blokes beat up another bloke, and I think that's one of the reasons I remember it as well. So it's you kind think- of, and I thought, well, I'll choose it because Roger Moore's in it. We'll be able to do it as Smirsh Pod, and I didn't realise the Bond bona fides that it has because mm. you've got, um, I mean, John Glenn, yeah, and you've got um, Peter Hunt. Pete, well, Peter Hunt, Sid Kane, yeah, as well, who, Alec who, Gillis, is it uh, Gillis, Alec, something or other, uh, Derek Meddings as yeah. well. It's, it's kind of everybody, and I was kind of, I was completely clueless about this. It was only when I was reading Sorry, Alec up. Mills, he, yeah. He, he works on all the bomb films isn't yeah it? oh and uh, alan hume as yeah. well cinematographer yeah so it's kind of it's nuts how bond it is but yeah you've got really nice um morris binder titles and this sits right between um the man with the golden gun the spy love me yeah so it's kind of peak roger but he's uh, can we get into how great he is in this because i mean looks fantastic he looks it? amazing and he's also playing a very non-roger part no he's uh um, subservient thank you yeah oh, so we've got the he's the subservient mm. to lee marvin mm. lee marvin's the boss all the way through this absolutely i mean he's much more of a wimp in the book yeah you know he's and that's the thing like because um my wife has a problem with films that if she thinks like people are just going to be cruel to somebody all the way through she can't watch it mm. so she would watch this and go why are they being cruel to roger moore because yeah, it is like they're they're just like they lee marvin just does some horrible things to yeah, him in this film. He does. But um, in terms of how Roger Moore looks, I think he looks incredible in this film. He looks better in this film than he does in those two Bond films. Yeah, yeah. And there's lots of things that he does. As the film gets darker, and it gets a lot darker, and how he becomes, how his character changes, there's points where you think, God, I wish Bond had been like that. Mm. There's I mean, a real vicious edge to it towards the end where it just, it's kind of incredible. But he's, he's very handsome in this film. He's beautiful. Yeah. Beautiful man. Um, so Lee Marvin, we, we we well we start in Zanzibar in 1930. Yeah, and Lee Marvin is talking to uh, an Arab. Well, you get the let's you get the bustling market first, a and a bustling market is always a sign of a big budget as well. Yeah, and I think there's they seem to have budget problems with this film. Hmm. There's points where you think. That scene is incredible. How did they feel that? They must have spent so much money on that. Mm. And there's other points where it looks like they went to the South End to do the kind of, you know, just to film the kind of second unit bits. Because John Glenn's the second unit cameraman. And a lot of the second unit stuff in this is rubbish. Mm. It's really bad. Mm. So kind of you think kind of that they must have had, got to a point where they went, oh, we've spent it. Mm. You know, and they just basically had to do loads of pickup shops, shots on the cheap. Mm. Because, yeah, I mean, and but when it starts, and I think a bustling portside market is always the sign of a big budget film. Yeah. So you get that, which is really nice. And, and then Marvin's basically saying he can kill loads of elephants for this guy. Yeah. And I can't, I'm trying to remember how I would have thought about that as a kid, because I can't imagine that as a kid in the 70s, in school, we were all totally into the idea of people killing elephants. Like, mm. I don't think the world has changed that much. I don't think anybody really wants to see elephants being killed. Do no, they? and certainly not with the sort of believability and veracity that this film has. You it reminded know, me of the of... Italian job. You know when he says he killed a lot of tigers? Yeah. He says, yes, I used a machine gun. Yeah. It was like that. It was like, can we, should we kill one elephant or should we kill ten? Well, kind of, well, so, yeah, so it begins with um, 
Lee Marvin, who plays a character called Colonel Flynn Patrick O'Flynn. Yep, Flynn O'Flynn. Flynn O'Flynn. Mm-hmm. Um, and he looks amazing as well. He does. He's got red face, filthy white suit. I mean, it looks like the same suit that um, Warren Oates wears in Bring Me the Head of Alfredo Garcia. A good, filthy white Bring suit. Bring Me the Head of Alfredo Garcia. Yeah. And fantastic handlebar moustache. Pith helmet with a shamrock on it. There's a bit. He wears some terrible outfits in this and he always looks amazing there's a mm. bit where he's got like a raffia work plant pot on his head and a pair of granny spectacles yeah and he look and he looks like the kind of uh, you look at him i could carry that look you know that, that i could try that yeah. might work yeah so he looks amazing well you've got the kind of same white stubble he's got yeah well. so it could work but do i haven't got this with a knife i do like yeah does. like he does yeah. yeah and and people who hold up the little mirror for me tend to get shot in the head as well oh. but with comedy music playing underneath so yeah. it's okay um so yeah and lovely sort of wings of white hair mm-hmm. and um what a gorgeous voice as well yeah so it's like a kind of if there was a a cartoon character that was like a friendly creaky door mm. there was a creaky door but he was your friend that's exactly what it would sound like and kind of you know we were talking about how roger ends up being kind of dragged into lots of horrible schemes in this film yeah but lee is so convincing when he's talking i would i would do anything he said in this film. He's really kind of quite believable. Yeah. He's Morecambe to Roger's wise. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. Very good, yeah. Thanks. Thanks, yeah. <laughs> so Roger then turns up on a boat. Yeah. And Lee Marvin literally sees him come off of the boat. Yeah. So he knows he, he's a target. Yeah. That he can manipulate. He's literally fresh off the boat. <clears throat> exactly. But is it, well, there's also a nice little term for a guy who Lee Marvin is telling that he can steal all the ivory from. There's a guy mm. called George Kalouris, mm-hmm. who plays the Arab. Yeah. And uh, he's got great facial hair as well. It's yeah. like kind of got these two little white pipes coming off his chin. It's yeah. like some sort of medieval musical instrument or something. That's, that's really nice. So there's a lot of good facial hair. The biggest the shame of this film, actually really I can't get past how awful this is as yeah. a decision is to cast Ian Holm as a mute yeah a, a kind of mute Arab well the, the one consolation is that he then doesn't have to do an Arab, Arab accent so you don't have no. Ian Holm doing a kind of Alec Guinness so obviously he has to black up mm-hmm. which is unfortunate, unfortunate yeah. but at least he doesn't have to do the terrible accent and at least you get some nice little bit of mime work from him, which He's is very good. There's some good. Work. There's some good mime work in this film. Some good jokes about gin. Yeah. yeah. Well, there's and there's some um, Murray Melvins in it later on, and there's a scene where he's the you know Murray Melvin who was in um, Taste of Honey. Yeah. And he's the barman um, pouring gin for Lee Marvin. Yeah. And they do a nice little bit of mime mm. work together, which is really lovely. So there's some good. Yeah. Ian Holmes' voice. How could you rob? I know. I mean, surely, I mean, for that part, was, like, Nadim Sawala busy? Well, I just think, where did he come from? Because, I mean, what made them think, oh, mute Algerian, hmm. definitely Ian Home for that one. Because yeah. he'd been in, um, he'd been in The Homecoming, hadn't he? Had, the, had he been in a big film before I this? I don't know. So, I mean, it just seems like a real misstep. I mean, he's good. The eye work's nice, mm. you know, and the, and the uh, shoulder work. Uh, you know, and all the various yeah. bits of I mean, he's, he's body great. work that he does. It's not that he's terrible. It just yeah. feels like they could have gone a different way with that. Yeah. Got someone who is actually, I don't know, Algerian, maybe. 
That, that, well, that that's really not stopped them in this movie, has mm, it? You know, the, whether right. whether a person is from the right country or we'll anything. We'll definitely get to that. But yeah. then Roger meets up with his family, the Smythes. Yeah, and I like the fact that uh, Maurice Jarre uses the Eaton Boating song for his theme all the way through, mm. and it's kind of a, you know again, and it shows his kind of character development because there's a point towards the end where you get a really sinister version of the Eaton Boating song uh, when Roger starts to go a bit dark. Also, oh, God, he that says was, that's the, a pun, isn't it? Yeah, yeah it is a bit. Yes. <laughs> Yeah, we'll we'll get to that as yeah. well. Dear. He also says he boxed for Eaton. Yeah, assistant. Yeah, but he meets with the Smythes, and he's the daughter. He basically fancies the daughter, and she yeah. fancies him. And then she tells them Heather Wright's the, got one of those great British CVs because if you look yeah. it up on IMDb, it says Inseminoid the Bill. Mm. I mean, you know, it's kind of which is a classic kind of jobbing British actor CV, yeah. which is nice. But she says she's got thin walls. Yeah. So that sex is off. Well, I was I was a bit worried about that because then uh, Mrs. Smythe, her mum, boasts that her husband has a large plantation. So I don't know what's going on there because there's lots of kind of weird covert stuff because I don't know why. It seems like um, Sebastian Oldsmith, Roger Moore, is mm. fleeing from something, isn't he? He's going mm. to he's going he's on his way to Australia. Yeah, but they allude to the fact they see they say Australia's on the other side of the world. And he says, he says um, um, Roger Moore says of his family, well, I think that the, that's the bit that appealed to them most. And then they, he says that they chipped in a farewell present. They yeah. basically gave him a load of money. Yeah. So I think he's something of a failure, isn't he? And mm. they're basically trying to get rid of him and ship him off to Australia. He also says his cousin is in sheep. Yes. It's mm. a bit weird, isn't it? Yeah. Well, wool on the outside, mutton on the inside. Very good. Very yeah. good. So Rog goes to bed and then Ian Holm comes in. Mm-hmm. And steals his money in a very inventive way. But, Roger gets in his mosquito net yeah. in his bed and puts his passport and money next to him. Which is what you'd do, isn't What's it? You, you'd what? put it under your pillow. Yeah. yeah. In home comes in and basically cuts a hole from the bottom of the bed upwards yeah. and takes it. So then Roger wakes up the next morning, he's got nothing. And he has an argument with the hotel manager. And this is where kind of the this is where Empire comes into it, isn't it? Because he gets into an argument with the concierge, mm. who's played by uh, Renu Setner, who's Mr. Kittle from In Sickness and In Health. I was just going to say, yeah. He's the, and um, yeah. but it's very Empire because basically he he just he, he says, you know, damn it all, man, and can't you get it through your thick head? Yeah. So kind of like, and there, that happens a lot where he's in a moment of crisis and he proves his mettle by shouting at someone who is a different colour from yeah. him. Yeah. You know. But then um, Lee Marvin pretends to overhear it yeah. and gets Ian home to pay the bill with Roger's money, yeah, which is quite funny. I know, but it's also, this is the, obviously the point my wife wouldn't be able to watch because it's mm. just like, is this going to be just Lee Marvin being mean to Roger Moore for two hours? Mm. Which, two and a half hours. Yeah. Well, actually, what, what was the length of the version you watched? Because there's about three... Two hours, 23 yeah, minutes. Yeah, that's, that's like the full... I was going to say earlier, cut. I watched the feature version. Yeah. And it was... It was a slog. Yeah, it, it is a slog, yeah. isn't it? Because I mean, the it's a it it comes off. As a, it's a fair old lick at the start. I mean, it just it's relentless. And you think this is going to be brilliant? Mm. It's just like relentless action piece after action piece. And then there's a point later on where, oh my god, mm. I, it's probably the point where I paused it and thought, well, how long's left? And I fell an hour and ten minutes. I, I fell asleep. Oh my god! And, and it was kind of I knew I had to watch this for this. I mm. I don't know how I got through it. No, I we'll, we'll, we'll get on to that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So then Lee Marvin basically says to Roger, I'm going off on an adventure. And yeah. I, need a, I need a man to help me. Yeah, an Englishman. An Englishman yeah. who's good at sailing. Yeah. And Roger says, well, I don't know about that. And then it cuts to them on the boat and Roger's constantly being sick. Yeah. 
Uh, but also constantly being sick because of the smell of the gin on uh, Lee Marvin's breath. Because yes. he drinks gin constantly. Yeah. And Roger said that this is um, true to the real life filming of it, that basically Lee Marvin drank gin constantly through it and was, you know, half cut through most of the film. Nice. But he's great. I mean, if you think that's him acting drunk, he's mm. brilliant. Oh, he's brilliant. Yeah. Oh, there's so many good Lee Marvin bits in this. Yeah. It's ridiculous. But- and, and the other thing is that... Um, Roger Moore looks authentically ill when he's on that boat. I mean, the, mm. the kind of the the makeup on him, he looks brilliantly handsome, but also when he's meant to look fucked off or ill or sick, he really does. I mean, yeah. there's a kind of... I mean, you can look at the Roger Moore, the Bond films, and just think, he doesn't convince me, Roger Moore. It's a game. It's all a game, those films. But there's bits where this, you really feel the sort of sickness or pain that he's going through in this film. I think he's really good in it. He is. They both are. Yeah. Um, so then they arrive where they were going. Yeah. To this bit of Zanz... I guess it's like the Portuguese-German territory. Yeah, it's all the unclaimed little island. Unclaimed little bit. And he's claiming the territory for... Well, Lee Marvin says, because we claim it for America or for Britain. Yeah. And I can't remember how they figure it out, but Roger wins for Britain. Uh, or, or doesn't he... I thought... Don't they flip a coin? They do, but I thought yeah. it was some way in which kind of Lee Marvin wanted to sort of transfer the responsibilities of it to Roger Moore, yeah. almost as a way of kind of, a, you know, getting out of hot water. Yeah. I think it's another part of the con. Yes, we should, we should basically em- emphasise that Lee Marvin is just basically, you know, certainly for the first half of the film, just conning Roger... Well, actually, for most of the film, of the he film. is conning Roger Moore all the way through. But they've got a British flag handy. Yeah. They get him to nail it to the top of a tree. Yeah, upside down, apparently, upside according down. to IMDb. Yeah, or you can always rely on IMDb for pointing out that a British flag is upside down. And then he says, what are you going to name it? And Roger says, I might name it after my mother. Yeah. Gertrude. Gertrude. And he goes, Gertrude! But, and it's kind of left like it's a punchline, but it's it's not very funny, no. is it? And it doesn't really go anywhere. Better if her name was Penis. Yeah, exactly, yeah. which is always funny. Yeah. yeah. So it made you laugh. Yeah. And yeah. kind of in the, in the book... It's it's called Liverpool because I think his, his parents are from Liverpool, so they name it Liverpool, which That's is quite nice. Up. Yeah, it's got authentic. Mm. But Gertrude is set up as a gag, doesn't work, doesn't land. No, and you need a gag there because what you're about to get is one of the most miserable and depressing Horrible. scenes in all of action cinema. This is where Lee Marvin and Roger go and shoot some elephants. Yeah. And if these elephants are pretending to get shot, they're doing yeah. it very well. Well, I think you should have had you should have the text pop up again at this point that mm. says so just over the hunting scene that mm. says the producers wish to assure you that not a single animal was was or even if they weren't injured, it doesn't look like they're having a lot of fun, does it? No, it doesn't. They're so really the, distressed the, and the producers wish to assure you that the elephants are having a right laugh. Yeah, <laughs> would be would be all right, but you just wouldn't believe it. It looks like trip wires, doesn't it? Yeah, it looks like they put trip wires down to trip the elephants up and the elephant aren't, aren't enjoying it and a native sees what's going on and runs off to tell fleischer yeah he's basically um and they, and also they cap they get two and a half tons of ivory which is just a miserable figure because yeah. you think how many dead elephants is two and a half tons of ivory yeah um and the other thing that's there's two more things that are distressing about it one, it seems to be filmed by the not very good second unit team. Mm-hmm. So and there's always something slightly de- depressing about out of stock, out of sync stock on second unit sequences because it looks like it's come from like library footage or something, yeah. which kind of adds to the grimness of it in some mm. way. Just like the director wasn't even there. He mm. just sent in John Glenn 
and John Glenn wasn't really enjoying it. I bet he shot an elephant. Yeah, I bet he did. Yeah. I bet he, that's kind of, you know. I bet he didn't, if he's listening. <laughs> no, oh, no, 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 I bet he didn't. I, I bet, bet didn't. no. I bet it was just really well done. I bet done. it was every time he turned his back, someone shot one. <laughs> oh, you didn't. But they, like, because that's the thing, there must have been some horrible thing that they did to get all those elephants to fall over. As you say, like tripwires or something. Yeah. Or maybe they were trained elephants, we don't know. They might yeah. be circus elephants. But whatever, it's miserable to watch. Yeah, it really is. And also the other thing that's miserable about it is Roger's having a great time. Yeah, he's, he is. Um, he, yeah, he's got a big smile on his face. He's really enjoying himself, which kind of just, if he'd been wiping a tear from mm. his eye every time he shot an elephant, that would be okay, but he's not. Because that was the thing, when Lee Marvin starts doing it, I was expecting Roger to come along and go, what are you doing, you savage? Yeah. But no, he comes along with another gun and starts shooting them. Yeah, and he goes, oh, we, we make a great team, yeah. he says at one point, m- in murdering elephants. Yeah, I've written that here, we make a good team. Yeah. So but yeah, um, an Ascari get- messenger runs to tell the German colonial commissioner, Hermann Fleischer, Fleischer. about the, that they've kind of, that, the English have uh, annexed this hunting area. Yeah. And uh, Fleischer is... At first you think he's a bit of a caricature, don't you? you think yeah, because he's, he's got the handlebar moustache and the pointy helmet. Yeah, the pickle halber. <clears throat> Thank you. Yeah, and yes. you think he's meant to be a comic figure and he's got a leopard skin robe, his trousers are unbuttoned, mm. he's eating a whole chicken with his hands mm. and he's got another whole chicken ready to go mm. for when he's finished that one so and he's soaking his feet in a bowl of water and there's uh, and the the messenger basically says uh, we get it translated for us but he says to him um, he says the fine redness of your face and the very thickness of your body blinds me with beauty so you think they're kind of like taking the piss a bit don't you yeah. this is kind of having a pop at sort of you know German authority or whatever but the guy who plays him I looked him up he also played Hermann Goering in The Winds of War yeah it makes sense oh he is so scary and mm. I also I found out that he um, he served during the war he mm. saw active war service and he was in uh, he was in German movies before the war and he made one film before he was called up and it was called The Gas Man and it was directed by a guy called Karl Frölich who worked for the Reich Propaganda Directorate jeez so he's gas man as well yeah it? it's not in 1941 the gas man German yeah. film we don't want to go and see that not do really, you no. it's not got George Formby in it is it <laughs> yeah the gas man's here turned out nice again I've come to give you all some gas because your houses look very cold oh that's a rather more cheering interpretation of what it might possibly oh, be George, about George put away the gas <laughs> Um, so I think that Reinhardt um, called off as um, is the real deal. Yeah, I believe you. Yeah, because he's I can't work it because he's a grotesque. He rides a donkey. Yeah, doesn't he? So he has all these trappings that I think with someone else playing them could seem comic, but he's the stuff of nightmares. Yeah, he's horrible, and his um, and his shtick, his his comedy shtick, is that he lynches people yeah and he hang, hangs them hangs up them, yeah yeah and so when he hears that um it's flynn who's kind of been shooting the elephants flynn. he says flynn flynn hang him from the tree with that accursed flag let him dance on air it's not funny no but is it meant to be funny I've, this is we should get into it's this it's not really a good comedy stick we it? should get into the, with it. the tonal problems of this film there's massive tonal problems in this yeah film. I just like because music doesn't help because it's quite jaunty when you see people getting murdered. Yeah, it yeah. really is. There's a bit in it where, where they they're doing the lynchings and it sounds like the music from Bod. Yeah, you know, and all and, and there's another bit that sounds like a kind of mariachi band. Here comes a lynching. <laughs> 
So yeah, he's he's a grotesque, and there there is. Have you a seen sense. Um, Have you seen the Canon film King Solomon's Mines with Richard Chamberlain? No. You see, they did a version of King Solomon's Mines in the eighties. Canon did it mm. with Richard Chamberlain as uh, Alan Quatermain. Yeah. And um, Herbert Lom plays a character who looks exactly like Fleischer. Yeah. But he does it so much better. Yeah. He makes him out to be, you know, an idiot. Yeah. A caricature. And he's evil, yeah. but he's flawed. Whereas this guy is playing him as, like, fucking Rafe Fiennes from Schindler's List. He's, I mean, that's the thing. Horrible. He's He's too good. Mm. He's too good for this film. He should be ridiculous. There should be something two-dimensional and buffoonish about him. And this guy, I think, is just terrifying. So Roger goes off on a boat with all the ivory. Yeah. And Lee Marvin, for some reason... The bloody behind. ivory. The and bloody I noticed they're, kind of, they're, they're very good about showing the, uh, the bits yeah. of blood on the end of it yeah. to kind of remind you where it's come from. Horrible. And that's, so you get a nice bit of jaunty Morishar music, while the, the sort of Renaissance fair dance kind of music whilst they're sort of loading the ivory onto the boat, just to remind you that it's just a bit of fun. Mm. It's a laugh. The elephants weren't armed. Get mm. over it. Um, and yeah, and and then you also find out that um, Ian Holm, Mohammed, the reason he's um, a mute is that he has got a scar on his neck from when uh, he was hanged by Fleischer. Oh, that's right. Yeah, yeah and um, Flynn rescued him, hmm. which is why he's kind of loyal to Flynn ever yes. since. You know, yeah. and basically why he's his kind of amanuensis and kind of you know helps him out and everything. So. So Lee Marvin and his men stay behind. Yeah. And then they got they get lynched by Fleischer and his Well men. then before that we get the comic shaving scene. Oh yeah. We get so Lee Marvin is shaving with um Hunting Knife. Hunting knife and you get some comedy music mm-hmm. and you think, Oh, this is this is a nice little interlude. I'm kind of quite pleased that there's a comic <clears throat> interlude after all the the, the, the murder mm. and, and the grotesquerie. And then the person who's holding his mirror gets shot straight through the head. Yeah. And um, we also get the signifier that Fleischer is coming, which is the noise of a donkey eoring. Which again is horrible. Mm. Yeah, absolutely not funny at all. No. You know, just and uh, just unpleasant. Um, and which uh, would be the equivalent of uh, if Ray Fine's character in Schindler's List. Every time he knew he was coming, it was a little clown. Or, or Swanee Whistle. Or a Swanee Whistle. Yeah. 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 And this is the bit where I kind of it, it, Fleischer advancing on the donkey. Um, it's like an image from a Herzog movie. Yeah. It's, it's kind of that sort of level of nightmare. Yeah. You just think this, there's a brilliance to it. Mm. It's kind of, it is absolutely terrifying because there's points where, the, you know, it's like kind of there's points where this film is like a cross between Soldier Blue and Carry On Up the Kyber, isn't it? It's yeah. like kind of you've got the kind of, oh, well, wasn't it hilarious during Empire? Mm. And then, oh my God, they've shot, someone else the killings why don't they ever stop the combination of those two things yeah and then we immediately follow the scene of uh, Fleischer and his men hanging all these people yeah like quite violently yeah horribly and, and gra- yeah graphically yeah and 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 so you know and the people who haven't been hanged have just been sort of flayed and and left you know on a tree stump to die and Lee Marvin gets away by jumping in the water and he's chased by a crocodile you see the thing, the leg. Now, here's the interesting thing. This crocodile, I think, in any other film, would be singled out for its um, comedy fakeness. Is that the fact that people go, oh, look at that crocodile. It's clearly a man in a crocodile suit. It definitely is. Yeah. Because of the images of grotesquerie and nightmare that we've already endured, I find this crocodile hideous because mm. it is a man in a crocodile suit yeah. advancing towards Flynn with mm. these horrible kind of 
lizardy arms, but with thumbs. With thumbs. It's definitely a man. Yeah, suit, it yeah. really in is. A wetsuit with a crocodile it's, mask. I mean, it's on. good. It's a good one. Yeah. But it just it just becomes like the the stuff of terror. It's the most terrifying duck rabbit thing ever. Man, crocodile, crocodile man. Yeah, yeah. yeah horrible. The way it reveals itself is quite disconcerting as well because he, he thinks he's all right on that riverbed even yeah. when he's injured. And all the reeds suddenly bend forward yeah. and there's that crocodile there. She's good. And he's just about to think, that's it, my number's up. And then Rog and his friends turn up and shoot the crocodile. I don't understand. How do Rog and his friends find Flynn? Perhaps he had a homing beacon. It's just a coincidence, isn't it? It's, it's not a bit that I missed. The, you know, they or, just arrived. Yeah, they, they just... Yeah. Ex, ex machine. Yeah. And the other, the other thing that is... Because then you get um, another sonic signifier of Fleischer, which is the... Um, he's pursuing them in a pat on a paddle steamer. Yeah. And you get the blasting of the paddle steamer's horn. Which, forgive me if I'm wrong, but I've seen enough steam train films, particularly yeah. the Will Hay film, Only mm. the Porter. Yeah. Where it, the, he tells Which him off. Which is much, but not more benign in that, isn't it? Yeah, but the, he tells him off for using the horn over and over again because it uses up steam. Yeah. So him doing that over and over again surely would use up the steam that powers the boat. Well, here's the thing. Fleischer is inept. Yeah. You know, Fleischer is, to all intents and purposes, a, a ridiculous cartoon character. Hmm. But he's also a figure of slaughter and death. Hmm. He's kind of, you know, he's the two things combined. Because when you get the, again, something that in a in a normal, you know, in a comedic movie would be, a, you know, like the Sony whistle, the sound, the sound of the horn. Whenever he does it, Ian Holm grabs his neck. Yeah. And as if like a memory of, of, of being lynched by hmm. Fleischer. So again, they've turned something that is kind of... Um, knockabout and um you know kind of ealing comedy yeah. almost into a, a you know an aspect of horror so the paddle steamer chases well at this point flynn's out for the count he's passed yeah. out because he's had some gin yeah and he's lying down on the he, he's using it as an anesthetic yeah yeah and rog is being chased by the paddle steamer. no way they're going to get away from it because they're in a sailboat yeah but he has the great idea is as they go around a corner yeah. to put the fishing net in the water, which will get caught up yeah. in the paddle. The nice, there's a nice touch that they use the ivory as a weight mm. for the net. Yeah. So you kind of think, oh, is that is that symbolic? Is that, are we meant to see that as kind of like they've? Re- no, it's not. Is no, it? no, it's not. No, no. it's just a. Thing <laughs> that I'm, o- I'm over reading because I just I'm still finding it so upsetting well, i just thought of something actually There's, yeah you know we were talking about how you see graphically people being lynched yeah i was thinking about how when people die later who are white yeah we're not seeing their death no that's quite an interesting thing well it's kind of we could, we will probably or maybe we should talk about it now because we're bound to talk about it later because the ways in which this film is racist mm. you know it's kind of the way in which kind of the um african characters are used mm. because obviously there's that fact that they're never um they don't speak in English, but no. you don't, they don't get subtitles either. No. No. So they just speak in what would general, be generally described, probably in the script, as general African noise, mm. you know. And so you, don't, you never get that. And yeah, the way in which they're treated physically in the film is just they are kind of they're fodder yeah. in a way, aren't they? Yeah. But the interesting thing about it is, and I don't know whether this is because I was looking at it now, and again, it's going back to me that, you know, would the nine-year-old version of me have found this hilarious? I don't think so. But looking at it now, it's in the... You do get a sense when you watch this film that people are dying, hmm. you know, that these are kind of dead people. Yeah. And there's not... It's not sort of seen as sort of throwaway and sort of a gag fest. It's generally kind of... 
you know, that there, there's a proper death toll here. Well, particularly this scene we're talking about here, right, where yeah. the paddle team are struggling to keep up with them and all the soldiers are shooting at Roger's boat, right? Yeah. Roger's wearing a bright white shirt, yeah. right? And he's literally standing up yeah. with four, uh, four, two African soldiers each side of him shooting yeah. back, right? And two of those Africans get shot dead. Yeah. Roger's literally a huge target in yeah. white and he doesn't even get a shot at him. It's a metaphor for empire, isn't it? It is. Yeah. <laughs> Every time you say that, I think I mean you mean the Empire Strikes Back. Yeah. Thinking, oh yeah. <laughs> Selling a little or a lot. Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. But uh, no, I, th- I, think, I think you're absolutely right. The kind of, you know, Roger is the man, you know, the sort of the the white face of empire in this and kind yeah. of this it's a it's a messy film and it's a complex film and there's areas in which it kind of it's clearly critical of aspects of empire but mm. there's bits where probably they're not even thinking about it and it's no. kind of those unconscious aspects yeah. that are kind of the most problematic yeah. where they're not thinking there's a problem with the fact that you've got a white man in a white shirt who's doesn't even get you know a scratch and these people around him who are just kind of like you know Proper, seem to be properly dying left, right, and centre. This film would be so much more interesting if Flynn was a black character, yeah, and Roger Moore was an idiot person from the British Empire, yeah, learning what it's like to be an African, yeah, and you know the German army being racist and lynching people, yeah. He'd properly learn something. Well, this is one of the interesting things about this film is it's almost great at a lot of points. There's mm. points where you and I kind of it struck me that if it had been an Italian film. Mm. If it had been a dubbed Italian film made yeah. during the era of kind of the great spaghetti westerns, people would hail this film as an as a Italian masterpiece. Yeah. Because it's got all those elements of the sort of spaghetti westerns and giallos. It's got the kind of tonal weirdness. Plus, you could easily cast it. You'd have Lee Van Cleef as Lee Marvin. Absolutely. And um, 
Terence Hill. Yeah. As Roger Moore. That would be perfect, wouldn't yeah. it? And kind of and people would go, Oh, if you ever it's it, you know, it's it's really violent. Shout the Devil sounds like a Sergio Leone yeah, film anyway. It really does. So yeah. I th- I kinda think if this yeah, if it had come from Italy, it would be much more sort of highly valued and revered than it is. Because yeah. I think those those aspects that we're kind of critiquing, hmm. you kind of go along with them with sort of Italian films of the seventies, yeah, yeah. don't you? You kind of yeah. say, Well that, that's, that's they didn't care about that stuff, you yeah. know. And it feels very much like that. You know, I mean, I suppose that what what you could say, playing devil's advocate for a moment, is that this film is based in 1913. Yeah, and I'm I'm guessing African people weren't seen as human beings. Yeah, in 1913. But it's but it's I suppose it's made in 1976. 76, yeah. yeah, and but imagine Lee. Imagine sorry. Imagine Lee Van Cleef. Imagine Lee Marvin as Yafit Koto. Be brilliant, How much better this that would be would fantastic be. yeah and kind of they wouldn't have to change um, Moore's character that much because as I say in the book he is much more of a buffoon and imagine if he fell in love with a black woman yeah that I mean again so much shorthand being done there, yeah it just works and no, that would be great making it an, an Irish American living yeah. in Africa it's just a bit yeah again it's not serving what this film should be about no which is the empire someone from the empire learning about Africa and but we're, I think we're forgetting that it's written by Wilbur Smith and yeah. I think Wilbur Smith is not kind of the, the man to go to for kind of you Impressive. know giving giving a voice to kind of um, Af- African nations because I haven't seen he, he, uh, Roger also did another Wilbur Smith film called Gold I was going to ask if you'd seen it have you not seen, seen it, it? No, it's on my it, list yeah I haven't seen and it, it looks again it looks interesting it looks kind of again the same kind of tonal mess Roger it, got in trouble for it because it was shot in South Africa well, so it wasn't this as well I oh think, yes it yeah. was yeah, yeah and it kind of he it was he was nearly blacklisted for this and I think it's one of yeah and I think it's one of the reasons why it kind of went out as um, I think in the States it went out as a double bill heavily edited double bill oh right and um, yeah so it was kind of it wasn't sort of promoted in the way that they wanted it to be so yeah he did get, did get it in the neck again again yeah. no, no like pun intended old, uh, Ian yeah Home. Ian Home um, so the Germans get stuck basically. Yeah. And Roger and Flynn get away. Yeah. And they're not happy that. So, so then we, we're with the Germans we see at the beginning on their big battleship. Yeah. Who we learn later. Uh, the Blucher. Yeah, that's yeah. it. The Blucher. That we learn later is basically being repaired because yeah. it needs work doing on it. And Fleischer wants them to use all their powers to get Flynn and they're not yeah. happy with him because they see it as a waste of. Well, he's. That's the other, other interesting thing about Fleischer. He's kind of like old. Germany, he's like kind of old Prussian yeah. Germany, isn't he? And the people on the ship are very much kind of the the new Germany who will be the, the Nouveau Reich. Yeah, oh, very good. <laughs> yeah, so they're kind of World War One sort of German. So he's again, um, Fleischer's like he's the he's the old order, mm. isn't he? He's not the new order. Yeah, um, and so they're kind of the, the it's joy division. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and. Um, they also oh, they hit a very badly edited storm, don't mm. they? Oh, I jumped ahead because no, no, they, no. yeah. Um, so I was just going to say the battle cruiser. Oh, they, uh, yeah. rams them. Yeah, uh, but then boat. they decide not to um, follow Fleischer's orders and kill them. They throw down a piece of self-assembly IKEA furniture that Basically, they can float away on, like a, a um, you know that bed that folds out. Yeah, sofa, what are they called so- sofa beds? No, the one the, the ones at <laughs> IKEA so it was wooden and you just yeah. Fold it down. That's exactly what I it looks what like, isn't it? I have no. a complete mental blank. Yeah, there. that's but, they, but, they, but they, they sail away on that. Yeah, and, and Lee um, Marvin's loving it because Roger takes out his bullet. Yeah, 
and um, just pour some gin over it. And he yeah, tells he says, that's neat gin, you're wasting it. But then Ian Holmes got one in his bag. Yeah. So he loves that. So he gets hammered. And then as you say, Is they it? get attacked by editing. Yeah. I put it here, there's only one thing more choppy than the waters, and it's the editing. <laughs> It literally Cause goes, this is the it's psychedelic. It goes flash, 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 flash. And Peter Hunt does this in Her Majesty's Secret Well, Service I was reading well. somewhere that um, Peter Hunt was um, on the Peter Hunt Wikipedia page. It mm. says that he was kind of, um, he was seen as a master of this. He was an editor. But it's terrible. It's really terrible. And he was it, an editor it, in the Bond stuff. Yeah. And, and they often promoted from within. Yeah. Like Liverpool Football Club. Yeah. Used to do. And um, yeah, Peter Hunt got his first gig with the Majesty's Secret Service, yeah. which again is edited to fucking places yeah. ridiculously. So I'm guessing that's why they didn't want but to. But that would have been, I'm guessing that the, the storm would have been John Glenn, though, doing that, because that. Possibly. So, I mean, I don't know where the responsibility lies. But he would have just shot the footage. You wouldn't have edited yeah, it. Yeah, that's it's, true. Yeah. It's literally like two seconds between shots. It's yeah, ridiculous. And it, but it looks like it's been taken from about four different world coastlines or something it's like one of those cheats they used to do on TV where they couldn't afford a car crash so they'll quickly yeah. show the car the person the car the person <laughs> and then have the person lying down the and, floor. and the camera the, a spinning yeah. bit they do the spinning they bit they do as the well. spinning bit yeah and then they're all washed up on the beach yeah and um no Flynn yeah oh and we see another crab I meant to say earlier when He's, Flynn he, yeah when Flynn was in the river before he got attacked by the crocodile he went he goes eye to eye with a crab yeah I thought what are we saying about this and then Roger's on the beach and there's another crab and I thought what's the symbolism He's, of the crab I can't here? work out the symbolism of the crabs unless you if know anyone knows about the crab unless it's some sort of sexual um, might be yeah some joke about yeah. what happened to them on set yeah, yeah. 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 if oh. anyone knows please let me know yeah because it happens about three times doesn't yeah. it yeah, yeah. And it's, unless I mean, they're it's, predicting the Prodigy album it's nice camera work on the crabs. There's yeah. a bit where you see their eyes pop yeah, out. Literally it's very pop good. out. Just to yeah. say, oh, you're Roger Moore. Yeah. <laughs> Can I get your autograph, please? And on the... Yeah, so Flynn is missing. And they they find him basically entertaining an African tribe with a, a filthy art song about shagging O'Reilly's daughter. Why not shag O'Reilly's daughter? Yeah. He's singing, yeah. And it's, Which to them means nothing. No, but they're all laughing as if it does. Like but, he's Logan Paul or something. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe him. maybe he killed the crab and then put it on the end of a stick and yeah. kind of ran around with it Tortured and it. kind of entertained them and Went filmed viral it. Yeah. But there's... Do you think that song was from Lee Marvin's own personal repertoire? I reckon, because he was playing an Irishman, he was probably like, oh, are there any dirty yeah, I'm gonna, Irish I'm going to have to sing, sing an Irish song at some point to yeah. remind people that I'm, I'm an Irishman and that's what they do. They this sing is the British crew. There must be an Irishman working on a British yeah. crew. So. And... Um, he also says arse a lot in this, which I quite liked. Oh, he's... They, they're going to ram us up the arse. And there's a bit where... Um, I've, 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 I've got it written down for later where he says kind of... Where the... Um, there's an English chap says to him, you mean accidentally? Yeah. And he says, you know, kind of... What do you mean accidentally up the arse? Or something. Yeah, he's good. He says arse really well. I like well. that because that is what someone who's from Ireland or, you know, an American-Irish family would yeah, probably say. Yeah, they'd be saying arse all the time. Yeah. So I like that. Points to Lee Marvin. Yeah. In the bag. Auth- authenticity. But th- this is weird. This is another bit where I thought, did I fall asleep? Mm. Because... Flynn says we've washed up on Portuguese territory. Yeah. But he doesn't say we've washed up a hundred yards from my house no. and my daughter. Yeah. But that's what's happened. Basically. Yeah. They're and basically these people that are being lovely to him then carry him to his house. Well, again, I I am um, referred to the Wil- Wilbur Smith text, I'm the original in my text. Hand, listeners. Yeah. yeah. And there's a there's um two paragraphs where he kind of in that um Muhammad, Ian Holmes, yeah. speaks. 
Really? He's not mute, yeah. And he does a lot of exposition and explaining. Basically, it's Mohammed's job in the book is to say, oh, um, I've just met this bloke, and he's bloke lives near your house, so we must have washed up near your house. Oh. And then, and that's why all the um, Africans who are laughing at his um, Irish songs, they're laughing because they know him. They're sort of pat- basically putting up with him. They go, here he goes again. That would have so, made more sense, because if in films like this, when you've got someone who's a, who knows everything... Yeah. And you've got somebody who knows nothing. Yeah. Sometimes you need a conduit between yeah. the two. And Muhammad is clearly that conduit, but he doesn't say anything. It might so be Ian Holmes' work. decision. I mean, mm. They might have said to him, say, oh, and this is the bit where you, you do the accent and you tell uh, Lee Mob, because I'm not doing the accent. It might have been that, like, a bit in um, Two Ronnies where Ronnie Corbett says, I can't do Pakistani because I sound Welsh. Yeah. It might have been like that. I can't do Arab because <laughs> I sound Welsh. So it's just, and he made, I wish I knew what the film that he was coming off of. But they thought, I'm going to see him home. You mm. know, we, we can't. We're going to have to make him mute. Well, he's only two doors down from Alien, isn't he? Yeah. A couple of years later. So, I mean, but it, it, yeah. So he basically, they've washed up a hundred yards from his house. Yeah. And they carry to his house. And then like you say, there's obviously bits missing because suddenly Roger's got severe malaria. Yeah. Where the fuck's that come from? I don't know. But <laughs> I think they they must, they must, because it's like they've only just started travelling, isn't yeah. it? And then he suddenly got malaria. But I was kind of thinking, well, malaria makes sense because I feel like I don't know what the hell's going on at the moment and yeah. it's all gone a bit fuzzy and I feel ill. So but he has a bad dream about the lynching that he wasn't there to see. Yeah. How's that happened? I I think it's just really the... It's like the film itself is having a bad dream, isn't yeah. it? It's like yeah. all the horrible things that I've done so far in the name of entertainment. But we do meet Lee Marvin's daughter, Rosa. Played by... Barbara. Barbara Perkins yeah. from Valley of the Dolls. Yeah. Yeah. And she's nice. Yeah. You know, she's good. But we also see another image of Empire because it's like um, Rosa, mm-hmm. Flynn's daughter, it's kind of a nice version of Empire yeah. where she is because she's got um, a nanny yeah. who looks after, or a woman who she calls nanny, who looks which is supposed to be like, even worse. looks like it's kind of like a Gone with the Wind reference. Yeah, the same exactly. Dress and yeah. So, and, and they all, you know, they all get on. They're kind of, they've got slaves, but they're nice to them. They laugh you know. at Roger's penis. Yeah, and they like, and they, um, oh God, yeah, she says. She says um, it has no teeth. And she said, oh, this man is so big. Yeah. 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 She kind of looks under the covers. She does, and then she says something like, oh. and then it, she it, goes, it can't bite you. It, it has no teeth. teeth. Yeah. With, what, with an air of disappointment? Or, or what was she expecting to happen yeah. at that point? Was she with expecting the, to Rosa to go, oh, I'll jump on that? Yeah. It's very odd. Um, and yeah, so he has his dreams of drownings and lynchings that he hasn't seen. And then, and, oh, there's this great bit where yeah. he kind of, um, where Roger um, keeps looking at Barbara, and each time he looks at her, they put an extra filter on the lens. Oh, it's really bad. Isn't there's it? about four, isn't yeah. there? There's about four. It's just a lot in the seventies. Yeah, but it's women. really, it's really kind of noticeable. He, it's like he looks away. It's like a comedy sketch, isn't yeah, it? Yeah. He looks away, looks back, extra filter. Yeah. Looks away, looks back, extra filter. It's like he's saying he's getting Unless more, it's the malaria. Might be. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's like, I can't tell whether you're beautiful or I've still got malaria. Wouldn't it be good if, like, beginning of the film or something, Roger got bitten by a mosquito or something? Yeah. And then that would set up this whole malaria business. Or a crab. Or a crab. Or malarial crab. Malarial crab. They, yeah. were, they were very common. <laughs> they were. I saw yeah. them. Uh, the apparently game. their eyes popped out if they yeah. malaria. So, <laughs> so that we're, we're missing important details we about are. the malarial crab. Yeah. Yeah. And... Um, so Lee Marvin then writes a letter for damages to the German government. Yeah, which is very funny. I like this scene. Yeah. Because Mohammed, uh, Ian Holm does some good miming, as we said. Oh, there. yeah, there's a lot of nice mime work in this film. Mm-hmm. And also he's got, um, 
he's got a really nice setup. Whereas Ian Holmes, who's very ain't off hot mum though, isn't it? Ian Holmes' rocking chair, Michael Bates, is yeah, yeah is yeah. connected to a fan over uh, Flynn's head at his little writing desk. That's what this film needs, by the way. What? <laughs> Windsor Davis. Oh, Flynn, you bloody poof. <laughs> That would be great. Be better, if, yeah. if Roger Moore fell in love with Windsor Davis. Well, when you know, I was saying it, when I was saying earlier that it's kind of um, Soldier Blue meets Carrying Up the Kyber. Mm. There's a bit of Soldier Blue meets it ain't half hot, mum. Yeah, yeah. There ain't half a lot Even of better, lynchings. You could mom. do a Carry On film based on this film and have Frankie Howard as Lee Marvin. Yeah, yeah, that'd be good. Ooh. Oh, stop lynching! Oh, yeah. Oh, don't. He can't talk. Don't. Don't. <laughs> he got hung. Don't. Um, yeah, so Lee Marvin writes the letter. It's a very funny scene. And then he has this, this weird bit where he's teaching everyone to shoot. Yeah, and that's meant to be a comic scene because they can't shoot. Doesn't and work. then, but then, hilariously, someone shoots his full gin bottle. He's livid. And he does the thing where he lo- holds it up and looks mm. at it. Yeah. You know, kind of. Which, but luckily, yeah. Mohammed's got another one in his bag. Yeah. Which is a running gag. Yeah. I quite enjoy that. And then Rog basically immediately falls in love with Rosa. Well, can we address this? Is, is, to call it a scene is incorrect. Yeah. It's basically a, a mini film, isn't it? It's yeah. a short film. It goes on forever. It goes on forever. I can imagine that this is... And it, you can't call it an interlude. So, yeah, it's a short film dedicated to Roger and Rosa falling in love. Called I Love imagine, in the Time of Malaria. Yeah, and you know that I was saying about... I must have fallen asleep during this film. Yeah, I yeah. think I must have sh- fallen asleep during this half-hour section. As a kid, can this, you imagine? It must have been purgatory for me. It's interminable. It just goes on forever. My kids are always talking about boring bits in films, meaning yeah. when people talk. Yeah. Imagine this. Oh, God. How old were you? Um, it's, I'd have been eight. Mm, yeah. That's interminable. I think this is why I just remember the start and the end. Yeah. And he says, um, and Sebastian, Roger Moore, yeah. is one of the strangest chat-up lines ever. Because <laughs> he says, because uh, they're talking about him not going to Australia anymore. And then he, and he looks into her eyes and he's about to kiss her and he says, well, now that I've seen elephants, sheep have lost some of their attraction. Yeah. Thanks, mate. He's saying she's an elephant. Or a sheep. Yeah. It's like, or, or you're saying, oh, well, it's, it's just no way of reading ears. that. Yeah. Yeah. It's terrible. Uh, and then she starts dancing to a record and he awkwardly claps. Yeah. But I, then there's, a, there's another terrible bit where exactly they turn the record dancing. off. Yeah. And they hear some African music and he says in a really patronising way, fierce competition. Yeah. So like, it's like their shit music. It's not yeah. as good as our little whiny yeah. gramophone. I was enjoying my out-of-time clapping. Yeah. He could have been in the top of the pops audience in the 70s. Yeah, that would have been perfect. full of people who couldn't clap properly. Is it? Are we meant to think that he's... Because the scene at the start with the Smythes, yeah. there's some this is an awkward sexual tension there. So are we meant to think that kind of he's not quite sort of up to speed, as it were, with the kind of ways of women? I don't know. I was reading it the opposite way. I was yeah. he's very up to speed with women, okay. but the few already warned him that there were thin walls, so they couldn't have any oh, monkey pumping. Oh yeah, yeah. But then I was thinking that, that that she meant that was their parents, you know, because he's got a large plantation. He has got a large. Yeah. Well, yeah, we know he's got the, the nanny said he's got a large yeah. plantation with oh, no God. teeth. Oh yes, everyone's maybe everyone's got a large plantation. Basically, yes. he's, he's hung like a baboon. But he doesn't. He doesn't really get much of a chance to. I say that it goes on forever. And then maybe this is why Flynn tries to get rid of him. Because, again, Flynn, Flynn is horribly mean to him. He basically gives him this job where he sets him up as a fake tax collector to mm. rob the locals yeah. um, to basically recoup the losses from um, the attack. Yeah. And he basically says, oh, well, you're probably going to end up dead. Fleischer's probably going to kill you because yeah. he's going to be collecting taxes as well. Yeah. And this is... 
hilarious. Well, you get the you funny... basically I'm, we're sending you to certain death. Yeah, you're you probably going to get lynched. You do get the funny scene before that where he said, "Oh, we're going to buy you some clothes," and he measures him up. Oh yeah, that's quite funny. Yeah, that is quite funny. And then it? Rose is like, "What are you doing?" Yeah, and he's like, "Nothing, nothing." Yeah. And it turns out he's making him a German army uniform. Yeah, and he gets he does get a nice a pickle halber, but it doesn't fit. Doesn't fit. With a nice little blue blue jacket. But as you say, when he's in that uniform, I'm not a Nazi. Yeah, he looks fucking spectacular. Oh, he looks great, he's doesn't got he? Something Roger doesn't often have in films is a bit of stubble. Yeah, and they go, oh god, he looks good. And he's got some. I mean, again, we'll get to it later. But he's got some colour yeah. to him, hasn't he? As well, and his hair's and a little, little longer than it yeah. is in films. So, yeah. I just he looks absolutely brilliant. Oh. Yeah, and it kind of I kept thinking like, why? You know, why didn't you have a, not? I'm saying that there needed to be a Bond scene where he was dressed as sort of a you know 19th century German officer, mm. but. There could have been. Yeah. Um, but he just, he, he doesn't look as good as Bond as he does in this film. No. No. No, you no, no. Um, But then he, on the way to do his tax collecting, oh, and then he, um, <clears throat> as he's walking off, Flynn says to him, don't forget to speak German. Yeah. Knowing he's being sent to his death. Yeah. And Roger turns around and goes, I don't speak German. And then he's just like, oh, never mind. Well, you do, you get a nice little gag because Mohammed is carrying a giant German phrase book with That's him, right, which yeah. is quite nice. That is you good know. Good. But on the way to do the tax collecting, Rosa grabs him and drags him into a bush and I suppose has oh, sex this with is, him. Oh, this is where they have sex, This isn't is where it? he impregnates her. Yeah, but, she, but before that, she doesn't do Sorry, anything. Sorry, listeners, they make love. <laughs> so they, they, before that, she doesn't do anything to stop him going to his certain death. No. So she remembers to have sex with him mm. and so that kind of, guarantee, hopefully... Because he's, you know, he's um, he's got it, a big one. He will issue a child. Yeah, yeah, and even if he does get killed, I'm lynched by Fleischer and he doesn't come back. So what? They've got a child. Yeah. Who hopefully will look like him. Yeah. I mean, that's what I'd think. That's fine. And I then know. he goes to the first So village. it is quite ruthless, isn't it? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Well, it takes after her father. Yeah. The first village, there's quite a funny gag where they've got loads of food <laughs> and they're very happy. And then they see the Germans, who they think they're Germans, who's actually Roger, coming. They hide all their food and bananas and melons. Yeah. Which again, you know... And uh, yeah. then they decide to get out all the little children who are sad. And they put out some broken plates. That's right. And he pinches the child's ass to, to make, make it cry. cry. Yeah. Oh. And, he gets, bit, and he gets him to stick his belly out to look like he's malnourished as right. well. Yeah. This bit made me think, Roger was later a UNICEF ambassador. Yeah. Doing this sort of thing. You well, know, I was thinking visiting. about this. It's funny, but it's quite macabre as well. Because yeah. it's basically, it's jokes about starving famine. children and famine. Yeah. yeah. And it's kind of... You know, you say, well, what's the, what's the biggest laugh in Shout Out the Devil? Oh, I think it's the one about famine and the starving children. Yeah. Definitely, yeah. But this is what he later went on to do. I mean, yeah. there's a video of him and, um, oh, what's her name? From Breakfast at Tiffany's. Yeah. I can't think of names today. Audrey Hepburn. Thank you. Yeah. Visiting villages. Yeah. Very much like this. And yeah. having little children sat on them who were malnourished and looking after them. And it was very weird to see it as a comedic moment with Roger sitting there with a supposedly starving child on his lap. Well, the other saying, funny... Saying, there, 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 it'll get better. <laughs> the other funny bit in this... Sorry, I just knocked a thing. The, the other funny bit in this mm. um, is Ian Holm getting the noose out. Oh, God, that is really funny. That's <laughs> and a running shaking, joke. shaking it. Put that bloody thing away, Mohammed. <laughs> and this is... This is he literally man. puts it around the man's neck. Yeah, well. he, the first yeah. one, he puts it around the man's neck. And yeah. then forever onwards, he basically... When they go into a village... Because the joke is that Roger Moore is such a kind-hearted man... Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. that he can't collect the taxes yeah. and they've been given some spending ex- escudos yes. for spending money yeah. and so every little village they go to he just keeps giving everybody escudos and every village there's a montage yeah and everyone they get to in home is constantly trying to get the noose around someone's neck <laughs> and it's waggling the noose yeah. at Put the that Africans bloody thing away. and it's um, yeah it's, it's grim but it's funny yeah 
There you go. That's the tagline. It's grim, but it's funny. Yeah, that works actually. Yeah. And then Fleisch, and then we get the ominous noise where they were. Oh, to, it's, oh, it's the donkey. Uh, just makes me feel a bit ill. And then you Fleischer know, yeah, comes out. Fleischer coming out. And then there's a uh, there's a big battle. And they just start for no reason that I can see. Instead of fi- firing at Roger and his men, they also start firing on the African village and yeah. just killing women and children. Yeah. You know, and and Fleischer's Again. and Fleischer's catchphrase: "Kill them, kill them." It's a good one. Tone yeah. issues here. A minute ago, we're laughing at. <laughs> but also because you've got the donkey again, so you've yeah. got comedy hee haws of the donkey. Yeah. While Fleischer is shouting, "Kill them, kill them!" and they're shooting women and children. But Roger, <laughs> Roger has the very clever idea of stealing Fleischer's donkey, which has got all of the taxes all the money. He's collected. Yeah. On so that's what he does. And that's when they have the comedy running away mariachi music. Yeah. And still the deaths keep on coming. While behind Fle- Fleischer's standing there, everybody's sh- shooting at Rogers. He's crossing the river into Portuguese territory. Yeah. So they're untouchable. But behind him, there's a whole village that's been decimated. It's slaughtered. And we're yeah. getting jaunty music. <laughs> exactly. And getting away on a donkey. Surely this should be some sort of, you know, sad music yeah. for all the people that but have died. I can't remember. Is there any... Does Maurice Jard do sad music in this film? He does romantic music and romantic exciting and music and, and discordant music. I don't, I don't think, so. think he does sad music. No. Maybe. This is, I read, um, in terms of like kind of... Um, I think Roger Ebert described this film as a whole heap of fun. Really? Yeah, I read the Roger Ebert um, reviews. This is not, it's not like serious filmmaking, but it is a whole heap of fun. Uh, I disagree with Roger. Though. Yeah, I think so. So, yeah, then um, Flynn's over the moon, obviously, because Roger's brought back the um, donkey. Yeah, with the and, money. And then he w- counts out all the money, and there's quite a funny scene where he says, uh, I, I've made this much money. He's like a thousand... I think they've got no, a thousand pounds. No, it's like four thousand pounds. Four thousand pounds. Yeah. And then Rosa goes, how much is Sebastian going to get? And he then he said, counts it all, and he starts out going, oh, there's the, yeah, the money. Yeah, it's the gross amount, the gross isn't there? And, and he, he starts, starts doing all the deductions. things like if you're getting your car done at the mechanics. Yeah. And then the final gag is she says, how much is he going to get? And he goes, 22 pounds. And she's like, what? And he goes, he owes me. <laughs> it's all think, he owes me, yeah. <laughs> I really like that joke. It's brilliant. And it is made better by the way Lee Marvin does it. Oh, he's, he's very funny in this film. And then we find out that Ro- Rosa and Rog are very much in love. Yeah. It should be 50-50 because yeah, she is pregnant. And then um, Lee Marvin says, is this the way you pay my back my hospitality, you rapist? That's right. Yeah. Yeah. And, and then he uh, punches him. Yeah. And he says, footwork, my boy. Footwork. Oh, that's great. So, they, no, they, yeah. he doesn't um, punch him. They have a four-minute-long fist fight, mm-hmm. which obviously clearly is meant, it's meant to be sort of like the quiet man. You know, yeah, the yeah. quiet Memphis fight. Yeah. Um, it isn't as funny or no. as enjoyable. No. But there is the sight of um, Lee Marvin saying, footwork, my boy, footwork, which is very funny and indeed. And a close-up on his feet. Oh, crazy. lovely little close-up yeah. on his feet going mad. Yeah. yeah. Um, but then- there's... Um, They've clearly left in um, the laughing of the extras who watched it. And there's one guy, because I don't know where else they would have got this laughter from. There's one guy who's having hysterics. And it's the only reason it's funny. There's a guy watching it who's just having hysterics watching this fight. And it's brilliant. Um, And there's another little toast. In the middle of the fight, he uh, presents Roger Moore with a a book of Irish rebel songs. That's right. Yeah, which is good. But But they end up up after a long fight of being punched through walls. Yeah. Collapsing next to each other in a flower bed. In a flower bed, yeah. And he says, over my dead body. That's right. Yeah. So it's and kind of like th- a... This is I'm exactly what I would happen, I reckon, when Prince Harry proposed to Meghan Markle. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. 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 And then we get the wedding. In a 
church that apparently was shot in Malta yeah. for some reason. And it's they have a kind of Malta later, isn't there? Yeah, and they have a kind of a Latin wedding mm. that kind of just seems like an excuse for a nice big knees up for the crew because it just you know yeah it's kind of just goes on a bit and, um, and the baby arrives and uh, Lee Marvin uh, looks at the baby and says he's deformed. That's right because uh, it's a yeah because she's a girl and he yeah. says he's a, and Roger Moore says he's a girl yeah. And, and, I, and I think the point here is I'm because I'm this is the point where I get torn about this film. Yeah. Because part of me is saying is thinking at this point where it feels like we've been away from the action for about an hour. Yeah. It's probably about twenty minutes. And part of me is thinking, please get back to the action. But the other part of me knows that once we get back to the action, it's just going to be lynching and dead elephants and I was just um, say, and the horror of the horror. We talked about tonal issues. We've got this funny joke about a, a boy being a girl. Yeah. And then literally the next shot is them shooting more elephants. Yeah. And, um, and it's, again, it's depressing because it's shoddy second unit shots and the elephants yeah. look... They're, they're not falling over this time. They just look distressed, mm-hmm. like they're being chased by something. Yeah. And then and you think kind of, oh, well, I'll be pleased when this stops. And then Fleischer comes back. With an army. Yeah. And a cannon. Oh, but there is a brilliant shot of them moving over the hills yeah. like a kind of um just like an army of ants. Yeah. And it's and it there are weird points in this film where it does cuz I kept thinking about um one of the films that you're probably going to do Manu would be king. Yeah. I kept thinking about how Manu would be king pretty much gets everything right. Mm. You know, it's kind of an incredible film and it was yeah. kind of made the year before. Yeah, came out the year, I, think, yeah, yeah. I think it was December 75 it came yeah. out. And there's, this film gets loads of things wrong, but there's points where it does look like an epic. Mm. And that's one of the scenes where you see Fleischer and his men moving over the hills mm. and, you know, looking like this army of ants. It's genuinely terrifying, but it's also, you know, it's dramatic and it's it's scary and it looks like the start, you know, it looks like a scene from a proper war film. Yeah. And it's really impressive. And uh, seeing Fleischer and his men move past them, mm. they hide in a tree. Yeah. Roger and Lee Marvin decide, like six formers, let's go and fuck up his house. <laughs> <laughs> which is what they do that's, that's exactly what happens because they just there's a little moment of realisation yeah. goes well if he's not in then we can go around to his place we can go and teach him a lesson then, yeah and, and um, as um, as um, Roger Moore says up Kaiser Wilhelm's Scheisser shooter that's right when they because uh, they, they raid the place don't they yeah and they get uh, loads of booze and loads Meat. of food yeah and um, but they also find orders the notice of war they find yeah. it so it's world basically where world war one has started well without them knowing yeah and um yes yeah, so, and kind of uh, oh god mm. you, you know because we've been talking about we've been talking about this film as if kind of there's these occasional little dips into sort of murder and, and bloodshed and lynching yeah. and everything and we haven't even got to the the worst scene but it's coming up isn't now. it now Basically. Yeah, they realise that Fleischer is indeed because the the I think what the note says is that there's no longer territory. There's just yeah open land. So they're basically moving to Lalapanzi, which is or they're moving to the coast, mm. which is so which is where um, Rosa is with with the baby, and they're on the way to Rosa. And there's this horrible scene where Rosa is in bed, mm. and um, and she's got the mosquito netting, and it's shot really romantically, and yeah. the baby's next to her, and there are sounds outside, and she says they're back mm-hmm. with this delight on her face thinking mm-hmm. that Roger and Lee have come back yeah. and you, you, the, just the whole world falls out of you Just you get that horrible feeling in your stomach yeah. and you see the Ascari advancing with flaming torches and I mean it's a brilliant scene because it's so scary mm. um, and you get more gaily casual 
gunfire. Mm-hmm. And then you get um, uh, the, the, the catchphrase of burn them all, yep. you know, which yep. uh, didn't catch on. And uh, Nanny is bayoneted yep. by a laughing gunman. Mm-hmm. Um, and, then, uh, and then Rosa is surrounded. That's what you get for laughing at Roger's penis. Yeah. yeah. And uh, Rosa holding the baby is surrounded. And this bit is also probably properly disturbing because the way in which it's shot, you get mm. the close-up on all these kind of um, Ascari gunmen and you literally get close-ups of white grinning teeth in the mm. dark of all these sort of African um, soldiers around her. It's really kind of unpleasant the way it's shot. Mm. Um and I don't know whether I want to talk about the next bit or you should talk about it. Well, they snatch the baby off her and it's it's insinuated they throw her in, into the fire. Yeah, it's, it? it's like they throw her onto the throw the baby onto the top of the burning house. Yeah, mm. it just doesn't belong <laughs> anywhere. No, I mean, you kind of you can imagine, you know, because you think of those films, especially those films at the turn of the, the start of the seventies that were kind of metaphors for the atrocities in Vietnam. You know, mm. like I brought up Soldier Blue earlier mm. or Little Big Man or something. Yeah. And kind of, and Little Big Man's an interesting film because that is a film that tries to marry comedy and, and the horror of war. Yeah. And it kind of gets it right, yeah. you know. And so you can see that there are precedents here of things that they were trying to do. But it's so wrong and so and horrible. So horrible. Yeah. Um, and but also also horrible because it's not like a sort of exploitation film where it's horrible because it's so badly done. I mean, there's some really powerful use of handheld camera there. It's mm. kind of it's it's shot well. And this was the bit where I watched it and I thought, if this was an Italian film, people would be hailing it as a yeah. masterpiece. They go, "What have you never seen?" Uh, Shooty do diable, you know, <laughs> whatever it would be called. Yeah. Yeah, you know, it's amazing, incredible. Tonal problems, but amazing. I mean, this scene is obviously to give Roger that revenge motivation. However, yeah. it doesn't play out like that. He doesn't have that revenge motivation. Well, it's it's confused, isn't it? Because Rosa's got a revenge motivation yes. as well. Yeah. But then later on, Roger's character takes it away from her because mm. she basically wants to shoot Fleischer. She wants to get her own back and murder Fleischer. And he says, in a kind of patronizing male voice no you're not doing that mm. you know so that's it's removed from her it's really messy in terms of what they're trying to do here yeah i mean if, if you think as well roger moore's baby is burnt to death yeah and then after this we've got two more kind of high jinx bits with roger in it yeah you're like no he should be <laughs> this should be him saying right i'm gonna go and get that, that fucker on my own yeah or you can come with me if you want to yeah and we're going to stop these horrible people. But no, yeah. that doesn't happen. Because, I mean, that would make sense if it was the kind of film that started lightheartedly, but as it moved on, it became darker and darker. Yeah. And you thought, that's a really well done sort of shift. You know, it's mm. people people who are playing at being revolutionaries or playing at being hunters. Yeah. And then suddenly they become aware of the horrors of war. You mm. know, and you, and you can kind of see, it's one of those films, you're watching it, you think, this just got away from them, didn't it? This, like, they kind yeah. of, you know, they had all these ideas of what it could be. And it just kind of got confused and it's a mess. Did the baby die in the book? I didn't think I didn't get that far. Uh, I haven't finished the book. No. Because <laughs> I was just kind of, I was using it for fact checking. So right. I'm I'm guessing the baby does die in the book because it yeah. seems like such a kind of narrative, sh- you know, huge narrative shift. It would make more sense if they didn't have a baby and Rosa was just killed. Yeah. Because then that's easier to take. And, and then it's, you know, Roger on his own with the sort yeah. of, you know, cold-eyed revenge. Because after that, really, she's a spare part, isn't she? She is, yeah. She but they try, motivation. But they do try and give her that motivation. And she's quite good at kind of, she has this kind of 
dead-eyed kind of cold mm. ruthlessness to her after that which is quite well done she's yeah. pretty good on that but you also then you have another um epic scene there's this amazing choreographed scene of um german troops and the askari walking over these and we're chanting african slaves it's like something from zulu yeah they're transporting these giant wooden wheels yeah. through the hills which which you later find out has got the steel plates of the the ship on yeah. it they're basically repairing the ship and um you know beautiful lush green scenery and you've got flynn and sebastian and rosa waiting to ambush and it's a really exciting scene mm. and then right in the middle of it you have fleischer taking a shit behind a bush mm-hmm. so it's like kind of it was zulu dump you know it, it's you know you go from this sort of dramatic Rock kind shit. of <laughs> <Rock> shit. <laughs> So, and this, I, in a way, that scene sums up the movie. You go, you go, uh, you go. This, I think, this is my finest moment as a director. Yeah. And then, you know what? It's missing a man having a shit behind a bush. Yeah, yeah. I think oh, I, I should also point out. You know, when the baby dies, yeah, have the funeral for the baby. Yeah, oh, yes. the tombstone's made out of ivory. Yeah, that's the last fucking symbolism <laughs> you'd want. Because if it wasn't for his ivory obsession, that baby would still be alive. Yeah, I didn't. I didn't even pick up on that. I, I just that. thought, oh my! If it wasn't God. for his obsession with killing elephants, yeah, they'd all still be alive. There's some, yeah. There's some kind of karma here, mm. isn't there? That isn't addressed in the film. No, yeah. But yes, they get the scene with the um, the steel plates. Yeah, which is a really good, as you say, apart from the, him taking a shit behind. Yeah, place, it's a really good scene because then the the wheels run out of control, and you have. It basically crushes and decapitate the wheels with the steel plates, and basically crush and decapitate everybody. Yeah, apart and from that one German soldier who can't let go for some reason. Yeah, gets dragged all the way down the hill. Yeah, and that's where Rosa has a confrontation with him. Yeah, and and, uh, uh, and executes him executes basically. Him. Yeah. yeah, so which is, I mean, that kind of scene kind of works. Right? Yeah, it he does. basically kind of there's a ruthlessness to her now. Mm. He says he won't talk. Yeah, and then obviously, um, you know, the filmmakers think. Should we have a bit of um, knockabout comedy now? Because we've, yeah. <laughs> we've had enough sort of Let's go to the Admiralty in Malta. Yeah. yeah. And uh, let's have um, Murray Melvin serving uh, Lee Marvin with lots of gin. And Bernard Horsfall as yeah. well. Yeah, Who, um, he's he's been in a Bond film, hasn't he? He must I'm have sure been. sure he has. Um, Off the top of my head without checking, I don't yeah. know. Yeah. But he's got the voice and the look of a man who's been in a Bond film. Mm. And so basically, um, they're trying to get him to... They're going to enlist his help to uh, destroy the blucher, aren't they? And to tempt him into that, they say that if he does it, he'll get rank. Yeah. Which means he'll get cheap booze. <laughs> yeah, it's like duty-free supplies from the mess. That's Liquid right. supplies. Yes. Yeah. He's well up for that. Yeah. But he says, oh, I'm too old, but I know someone who can do it. Yeah. And this um, is when he, uh, he says arse again, because they say, Have you, are you familiar with the blucher? And he says, the blucher rammed me right up the arse. Yeah. And that's when they said to him, intentionally... And he says, how else do you ram anybody up the arse? Yeah. yeah so. But he lies to Roger and says, oh, they wanted me. I wanted to do it, but I'm too old. Yeah. They said I was too old, so I said you'd do it. So they, he's basically sending Roger to certain death again. Oh, it's a, well, we should say it's an aerial... Yeah, uh, aerial reconnaissance. reconnaissance. Yeah. And so they send this plane... Mm. with the pilot who is the Italian policeman from Lolo basically and he's playing Captain De Silva and we're yeah. talking about bad chat up lines when yeah. uh, Roger Moore says to um, Rosa um, you know I, I've seen um, 
elephant. Now, now that I've seen um, elephants, I don't want to look at sheep anymore. Yeah. And uh, Captain De Silva's got a good chat up line, which he says to Rosa, which is, I'll show you Zanzibar at night yeah. from the air. It is beautiful. He says, I'll show you Zanzibar yeah. from night. It is beautiful. <laughs> what a mistake it I made. Yeah. He's basically so that's, that yeah, that's good. That's a good chat up line. Yeah. And, Ro- and Roger sees what's going on and gets mm. a bit miffed. He does. He, he says, yeah. I'd like to talk to my wife. Yeah. Now, I don't understand what's going on in this flight scene. One, it's a very, very long bit of back projection. It takes ages. Yeah, it doesn't look real for a second. No. And yeah. also, Roger Moore, we've been talking about how handsome Roger Moore looks yeah. in this film. He looks really fat in this sequence. He does. I didn't know it was him at first. No, first. I thought it was he someone the, standing in for him. He's got the big old goggles. Yeah, which one. obviously made his cheeks look really big. Yeah. But his waist looks really big as yeah. well. It's really yeah. odd. And again, it, it seems to go on for a bit. I don't know whether it was because people thought, oh, this is what the kids want to see in 1970." Six. Well, you were one of them. Yeah. Well, I, I think I was. I think I was that? asleep. Oh yeah. You know? yeah. But it does. Talking of, it reminds me of um, when about a year earlier we were in London and we went to Harrods Grotto, and uh, I, I don't know if anyone else can confirm this. Anyone who's of a similar age, as of fifty, um, and but. Uh, we went to the grotto and, and Father Christmas wasn't there, but it was a display devoted to the Donald Syndrome film, Island at the Top of the World. Oh, right. Right. And basically what you did was you sat in a chair and there was some back projection behind you and it was if you were flying a plane. Right. And it looked like this scene in Shout uh, of the Devil. It's yeah. very poorly rendered and it goes on forever. Like someone's gone to Florida and laid down on a piece of blue to make it yes, like a Superman. Yes, exactly. Yeah. That's exactly what it looks like. But not wishing to disappoint is it ends in a bit of sort of um, bloody horror as well because the yeah. plane crashes. They get shot at. Yeah, they get shot Unsurprisingly, at. Unsurprisingly, they drive past a giant warship. Yeah. Or fly past, I should say. And, um, and we get to see De Silva hanging, burning in the plane. Yeah. And, they're, and Roger... Um, Get falls out of the plane and smashes his face on a rock, and there's yeah. lots of blood. Yeah, um, they now know that the blue is it bluter. Yeah, is there. Yeah, and they can go and get it. Yeah, and there's a really ineffectual attempt to put the fire out on the plane. Someone throws a handful of sand. That's right. That's yeah. it. Yeah, I'm guessing De Silva dies. Is he? I think yeah, De Silva dies. He's not mentioned again. He's is not he? mentioned again. No. no. And so the British are now satisfied. The blue shit is. Yeah, there, and they ask Flynn to go and put a bomb on it yeah now this, this should be exciting but I was really starting to flag at this point because mm. I was really thinking I, I, I've had it with because there's still about another four action set pieces to come or yeah, something isn't there yeah. it's really starting it was really starting to get to me at this point I'll tell you the point where I was happiest in yeah. this film we'll get there but then they say to Flynn if you do it we'll give you a thousand pounds and twenty cases of gin yeah and again he does the oh I know someone who can yeah. do it which again, I think is one trick too far. Yeah, they've done it already. It, and again, it just seems—it does just seem mean. And uh, it's in it contains the their plan involves mm. uh, Roger Moore saying the classic line, "Do you think I'd pass as a native, sir?" <laughs> so we get to um, black up Roger Moore. We get to black up Roger Moore and give him a cigar box with a bomb in it. Yeah. Now this is what Leslie Crowther used to do before every black and white musical <laughs> show. By the way. <laughs> But the thing I don't understand is that Flynn says there's no other man in his team capable of doing this. I don't and believe that. For I a don't know. It's it's putting a cigar box on a boat. Yeah. And he and when Roger Moore does it, he fucks it up. Yeah. He it's he sets it off by accident. So you hear this bring of yeah. the of the alarm going on. The, anyone could have done that. Anyone. So it's clearly just for whatever reason. He wants his son-in-law to be killed. 
Or an excuse to for Roger Moore to black up in a Maybe he movie. secretly filmed it. Do you it think and... that that it's it's all part of um, Flynn's plan to just kind of dispose of Roger Moore, send yeah, him to work, certain deaths? Yeah, no, it works against him if anything. It does, yeah. Um, but yeah, I, what makes me laugh is here when he's. It doesn't look like it for a second. Roger Moore is comfortable being blacked up. No, like, absolutely like, he not. Looks deeply I mean, he looks like um, Olivier as Othello, yeah. doesn't he? You know, because he's which got is, the red round his eyes. Yeah, where the, either the makeup's made him seize up. Yeah, so he, he looks angry, doesn't he? Yeah. He looks looks like cross that he's having to do this in the movie. The weird thing is, he said of the film as a whole that Lee Marvin was so good it made him up his game and he thought it was his best performance ever really yeah that surprises me yeah I mean he's good in it and he, and he looks great in it and there's there are genuine points where he kind of you but the thing that the thing that you were saying about him just not looking happy it happens after when you see him with the broken nose after the plane crash mm. it doesn't look like it's his character it looks like by now Roger Moore's just had enough of this film yeah he's just hacked off and it's just like I, just, I don't want to carry on with he this anymore. He does have excellent chemistry with Lee Marvin, though. Yeah, they work really well. No, together. they're really lovely. You wouldn't together. if you'd never seen this film, and someone said to you, Lee Marvin and Roger Moore, you'd yeah. be like, really? Yeah, but they do work really well. Well, Lee, you can tell Lee Marvin is enjoying acting opposite him. You mm. know, so he's really funny and kind yeah. of he's just really playful as well. And the way he's constantly calling Bassy, my boy. Oh, it's great, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. Really um, nice. So he's all blacked up. And then this is the bit where I was found a bit weird. Rosa suddenly warms to him because at this point she's been giving him the cold shoulder yeah. because of him not wanting her, not him not wanting her to seek revenge. Yeah. And suddenly she's like, no, now you're all blacked up. I think you're great. Which means Rosa is a racist. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, well, she clearly was because she had all these sort of servants and nannies and everything. She was basically living this kind of idyllic racist lifestyle, wasn't she? Before yeah. Roger came in. That's it. You and know. then we get more jointy music. Yeah. And oh, for, do for, we do. Do you think we get earlier? Do you think we get a bit of a nod to Q? Because we get Lieutenant Macintosh's little creation, oh, don't yeah, we? Because yeah. which is li- literally a, a clock in a cigar yeah. box, but it's introduced as Lieutenant Macintosh's little creation. Mm. And he says, he says, there's nothing to it. All you do is set the clock, wait six hours, and then bonk. Mm. Well, it seems ill-advised information. Didn't but bonk though, did it? No, exit yeah. the blue chair. Yeah, there yeah. you go. Yeah. But um, yeah, so the, the, what we've got here is a film primarily, well, secondary, about a couple getting over the death of their child. Yeah. But we're getting jaunty music every time yeah. they're together. Yeah. Tone. Tone. <laughs> and so then Rog gets on board the boat and he puts the bomb very awkwardly. Oh, this is another thing as well. Mohammed is the one who can get Sebastian onto the blucher. Oh, yeah. So if Mohammed can get Sebastian onto the blucher, why doesn't Mohammed just go on the blucher and, and plant the bomb? He's already blacked up. Yeah. Ah, so do you think again. it's Ian Holmes' plan to get somebody else? But I'm sick yeah. of being blacked I'm up sick in this of being film. The only one now Roger can yeah. be blacked up as well. So we get Rosa like blacked it. up as well while we're at it. <laughs> well, Rosa would probably quite like that, though, she wouldn't she? Would. Yeah. He's racist. Juice of the manga tree berry. That's what they used to black oh, him up. And really? I looked it up, it doesn't exist. Which is even more kind of racist, isn't it? Just made up. Fuck you, Wilbur Smith. Made up an African berry just to, you know, not sort of even using something real. Something silly and African that doesn't exist. Um, so he gets on board and he puts the bomb in, and they're all really happy. And just as he's leaving the boat again after placing the bomb, he sees Fleischer. Yeah. And we notice that Fleischer's got something in a bag or something moving around on his yeah. boat. Roger gets back and they find out that Fleischer has killed everybody and lynched them. Yeah. And has got Rosa. And 
Fleisch is really interesting at this point because he's already had it in the um, he's basically the 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 new modern Germans mm. the World War One Germans have had a go at him they mm. basically see him as a pathetic man yeah. so he kind of knows he's got one last chance doesn't mm. he and he plays it really well when he's interrogating Rosa he's just a sweaty pathetic ruined man mm. you actually do see a character shift he's kind of he's, he's a cornered rat at this point yeah. and he totally plays it like that and it's really good it's yeah. really impressive but also this is where you get um, when, when um, Roger comes off the boat after planting the bomb that's where you get the sinister version of the Eaton boat and Boating song as yeah. well which is yeah. good there's a Morris Shah sort of pulling all the stops out but we find Mohammed who's now had his throat cut I believe yeah. and he says and he says to him was it Fleischer and he nods yeah and then he dies yeah so Rog and Flynn have to go back to the warship and get Rosa uh, Flynn gets the attention gets their attention by shouting something shout brilliant because he, he shouts he, he calls Fleischer a pus scab on a heinous bum doesn't he call him a fat pig he calls well? him a fat pig as well he repeats yeah. that and he only says pus scab on a heinous bum once which mm. I think is why I wrote it down he's got like a loud hailer isn't yeah. it? shouting it through yeah. so everyone goes to see what that's all about and yeah. Rod breaks in and gets Rosa out and uh, Moore's brilliant in this. I wish he'd fought as Bond like this because mm. he's, he's, there's a real ruthlessness to him mm. and there's a real kind of dead-eyed kind of... What you kind of imagine the book Bond would be like, he's much more like that. There's Which a surprised of, me because, you know, in Furies Only where he, he had problems with kicking um, the baddie off of the side of the cliff in that car. Do you think it's to do with... I mean, he's, he's an older man in that though, isn't he? And do you think it's to do also with how he maybe about how he has ideas about what the Bond character is. Well, he said Mike made, Bond wouldn't do that. Yeah, so, right. and this, but this is, he obviously makes these other films to be, to kind of play other aspects of his, you know, performance. In, in Wild Geese, he fe- force feeds a man strychnine. Yeah. And in this, he's shooting people all over the place. Yeah. And it's kind of, and you, but there's a part of you that looks at it and goes, I wish that had been Bond. Mm. You know, because it, it works, doesn't it? You can totally see it working. Yeah. Um, so uh, Flynn gets shot yeah and he tells Rosa and Rog to escape yeah and Fleischer confronts him and that's when he says to him we all go together yeah oh and he says uh, see you in a minute Fleischer we'll shout at the devil together and I think every film should have someone saying the title of the film Mm. at the end of the film I just think it'd be really neat and nice and it'd be something worth looking forward to you go they're going to they're work the title in in a minute. It'd be really good. Yeah. And it's, I, I think it's really effective. And I, and it was one of the things I remember as a kid when I went to see it. I right. probably, probably woke up just before that happened. All the, all the explosions. Yeah, it? exactly. Yeah. And um, I remember coming out and, and saying to my brother, it's great when he says the title of the film at the end of the film. Yeah. It's really satisfying. Oh, that's so I, I applaud that. Um, but this was the point, I, I think I was just going to say, I meant to say earlier, but when they go back to go and get Rosa, yeah. that was the point where I paused it to see how long was left. And I think it said something like six minutes. And I yeah. was like, yes! <laughs> but also they, after the, the boat explodes, you, you get, for those who kind of come for the gore, you get more mm. burning bodies and, and screaming. But Fleischer is, uh, jumps off before it explodes. Yeah. yeah. And Fleischer, yeah, Fleischer makes it to the, and swims away and, Roger Moore doesn't give Rosa the satisfaction of killing Fleischer. But again, going back to what I was saying earlier, we don't see Fleischer getting shot. It's all done off camera. But we we don't we see that more. Yeah, we see him just shooting Fleischer, yeah. kind of. And that we've scene, happily seen hanging. Yeah, black people. exactly. And people burning and kind of and being lynched and yeah, yeah been, and yeah. So again, it happens. You're right, it happens which is not camera. very satisfying because Fleischer is evil incarnate in this film. But there's a really, it's really weird that scene of um, it's kind of almost Fleischer's POV of yeah. more just repeatedly yes. shooting him. 
there's a scene another another great um, film about the atrocity of war L.M. Klimov's Come and See hmm. which ends in exactly the same way oh, right. and it's a young lad shooting a picture of Hitler repeatedly ah. and I one I was looking at it thinking really do you think that influenced Come and See because it's I can't think just because of the idea of, kind of shooting into the camera yeah. repeatedly over and over again it's exactly the same what you need really is yes it is quite effective you're right yeah. Roger shoots the camera what you need is then a cut to Fleischer's dead bullet-ridden, bullet-ridden yeah. body. Because you got that with Rosa shot the German earlier. Absolutely, yeah. But not with Fleischer, which I no. thought was a really odd decision. And and then they set him on fire and then and then hang him. Yeah. 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 That would be... And for a kid's movie, that's a really nice way to go out. And then because it's a film from the 70s, it's the end. Yeah. <laughs> um, oh, no, you do see, which I quite like, you do see a broken, bloody, kind of ruined Roger Moore throwing the gun away. Oh, yeah. And it's yeah. kind of... I mean, it's, it's, it's kind of... It's sort of long shot, but the the physicality of it, I think, is quite nice. You do have, and it could just be that a man who's been making this film for nine months has had enough. Mm. But you do really get the sense, and also because we've been watching it for two and a half hours, you do get the sense of someone who just thinks, "Thank fuck for that." Yeah, you know, which I kind of concur with. Oh after, yeah, yeah. But I think it. nowadays you'd get like the morning after. Yeah. How they were going to rebuild Or you'd even just get them walking up the hill Mm. and the title's coming up. But it's not. It's like, well, we've done, we've come in, we've done all we needed to do. That's it. We get the Morris Charles jointy music. Yeah. Yeah. Sort of a bit of mariachi uh, bod music. (laughs) And that's the end of Shout of the Devil. Yeah. We're one of the most successful British films in 1976. Jesus Christ. Made 15 million pounds at the box office. Well, On the Buses famously was the... Most yeah, successful of 1971, so it doesn't yeah. say a lot. No, but it's just good good to know that everyone was coming out. And you going, were one of those numbers. Good that. Let's t- take uh, take your kids to see it. It's brilliant. It's You're got a stat now. Lynchings and, uh, and screaming. Not Kenny Lynch. Body. No. <laughs> he was famous at the time. Not him. He's not in it. So, um, um, I, d- I don't know how you felt after watching two and a half hours of that. Oh, I felt like I, I want my life back. Yeah. Yeah, it's I didn't. I mean, I, I enjoyed Lee Marvin. Yeah. And I enjoyed Roger Moore. Yeah. But I didn't enjoy the film. No. And there's just there's just too many horrible bits in it. It needed there? to be... When I saw the trailer for this, mm. the trailer makes it look like it's going to be like King Solomon's Mines. Yeah. All Ready to the Lost Ark. I wish... Adventure in Africa. I looked for the the short version, mm. but I don't think it's anywhere online now. I look, you know, I would have liked to have seen what it was like as an hour and a half, which is probably the version I went to see as a kid. Yeah. Because I can't imagine that I would have sat through that. As, you can you lose know, so any, I can't imagine anyone could have sat through that. Yeah. And it's kind of one of the real downsides of um, now restored to the director's original terrible vision. Mm. You know, you just think, no, let's just see this, the version the studio put out because they knew what they were doing yeah. and they knew that no one wanted to sit through that for two and a half hours. No, they did not. No. We've reached the point of the podcast yeah. where it's the quick fire questions. Okay. You ready? Sure? Yeah. Andrew. Yeah. <laughs> In your opinion, uh-huh. who is the best Bond and what is the best Bond film? Best Bond, Sean Connery. Mm-hmm. Best Bond film... On a Majesty's Secret Service. Wonderful. Yeah. Oh, good. And so the flip side to that, who's the worst Bond, in your opinion, and what's the worst Bond film? Worst Bond, Daniel Craig. Mm-hmm. And worst Bond film, because a lot of people think it's good, but it's a terrible Bond masquerading as a serious Bond, is Skyfall. There you go. Okay. You're going to be unpopular with that. That's all right. Not Don't in these mind. quarters. But, yeah. um, so who would you have as James Bond next? Well, I've got two here. I've got a dream Bond, because mm. I was thinking if they'd have cast... if. 
just after performance finished, oh, and yeah. James James Fox, oh. fresh from performance as yeah. Bond, either in um, it probably would have been Diamond Diamonds Are Forever, which is quite a um, vicious film anyway, or on a Manchester, yeah, probably on a yeah James Fox as as uh, James Bond, I think would have been amazing. That would have been great. And um, my um, dream next Bond would be Eva Green. Oh. Yeah, Lady Bond. Yeah, I think she just ruthless action, and I think yeah, I think she'd be fantastic. Dare I say, sexy, very sexy. Yeah. Um, So Bond is full of stupid names like Money Penny, Smallbone, and Goodhead. Give me your best Bond lady name now. I discovered a jazz singer uh, who records two obscure albums in the 1950s, and she's got a brilliant Bond name. She's called Pinky Winters. Pinky Winters. But I also thought that because they often have demeaning um, jobs to play in the movies or, or kind of um, roles of little reward, I think it'd be nice to have a Bond female called Flirty Waitress. I like that. Yeah. Yeah, that's good. So Pinky Winters and Flirty Waitress. Good. Um, I'm, I'm, you know, not blue either. No. You can show I, I went, no, I went, I went away from blue. Yeah. yeah. And... Um, uh, can you give me your best Bond film title that you just made up? Oh, well, I, I kind of, I, I didn't just make it up because I was trying to think because I actually went spe- on. The, no, uh, oh, sorry. Spe- okay. No, I send the questions right. in advance. Uh, oh, sorry. I, no, I've heard this podcast before, oh, yeah. and I was, um, I was looking on the MI5 website. Oh yeah. And I was looking at the benefits of uh, being in MI5, so I oh, thought yeah. it'd be quite nice to just name some James Bond film after the proper benefits of being in MI5. So there's interest-free season ticket loan, <laughs> uh, competitive pension scheme. Um, this one's a bit long. Subsidised on-site facilities, brackets, free drinks at some locations, right. or paternity leave. I like paternity yeah, leave. I yeah, I think that's a good James Bond it's, title. It's, it can mean other things. Yeah, it? exactly. It's a bit licence revoked. That would work in a Daniel Craig work. Well, he's like, obsessed with his family. Yeah, and yeah. I think it would work for modern Bond as well. You could have Sean Connery as his dad. Yeah, James Bond is on paternity leave junior yeah yeah that's good so a hypothetical fist fight takes place between simon templar the saint and james bond 007 who wins i think after watching the film that we've just watched i think the person who was most ruthless so it would have to be uh, james bond 007 yeah because it would be queensbury rules against um, just bloody ruthlessness we forgot to mention that. Mentioned we, that. we forgot to mention queensbury rules yeah you're too thinking about, too busy thinking about the footwork yeah see it worked yeah the footwork distracted, distracted from queensbury rules finally you're stranded on an island with sean connery george lazenby roger moore timothy dalton pierce Brosnan, and daniel craig who do you elect as leader to devise your rescue attempt? And if it fails, who do you eat first? I think more as leader, hmm. because I think I'd feel a bit out of my depth with all those bonds, but I think he'd be the nicest to me. Yeah. So I think he'd be the easiest to work with. Yeah. Um, and I think we'd eat Brosnan, because I think he's led the most pampered life. Eh? And so I think he'd probably taste a bit like veal. Hmm. And I think the others would all be a bit too chewy, and Lazenby would taste of fish paste. Nice. Yeah. Well, Andrew Mail, thank you so much for shouting at the devil with me. It's been a pleasure to have you here. Yeah, footwork, footwork. footwork. Always the footwork. Yeah. Goodbye. Goodbye. We fought opposite Queensbury rules. Rules! Aha, footwork, my boy. Footwork. Footwork, my boy. Footwork. Smurfpop. <laughs> Rule of three. 
podcast presented by me, Joel Morris. And me, Jason Hazley. In which we talk to people who make comedy. About the films. And TV. And books. And records. And comics. And people. That make them laugh. She doesn't want people having a go at Martin, <laughs> even though she can. And that's true. But I mean, most of my friends are idiots, but they're my friends. Yeah. <laughs> I never really understood what Han Solo did for a job. <laughs> you don't need to know anything more than like he's just sobbing while being Desperate. punched in the balls. They were just trying to make each other laugh in the office. You have to show a certain amount of contempt for your audience. <laughs> <laughs> Write your own jokes, been a morning, you lazy bastard. <laughs> Follow us on Twitter at Rule of Three Pod. Rule of Three. Available now from all good podcastier.